proof. Think of everything at home you have to get ready to, before you go, right? Like you have to get the house all set. If you have pets, you got to figure that out. If you have kids and you're actually like leaving them behind with someone, you got to get all their stuff ready to go. It's crazy. And then you have to plan and prepare for the actual trip itself. Make sure you have all your appointments and your flight info and all this stuff. You have to be all packed. You got to look up the TSA. What can I take? What can I take on the airplanes again? All that stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is just so crazy. And then you finally get on your vacation. But it takes kind of a little bit to settle into it, doesn't it? Is anyone like that? I know some people can just like, I'm on vacation like that, but I can't. Anyone with me on that? It takes like six days. And like day six, I'm like, hey, I think I'm relaxing. And then it's like, you have to start thinking about leaving to go home again. And the stress comes back because it takes a lot of work to then go home. And you get home and my goodness, it's crazy. It hits you like a brick wall. All the chaos, all the craziness, all the busyness, everything you tried to escape is right there waiting for you, especially if you left your kids. God bless grandparents who watch kids. But it is a rough reentry for everyone. So even with these little breaks, like a summer break or a summer vacation or just a getaway, it takes an incredible amount of work to rest. And then after we rest, we realize we actually cannot escape the challenges of real life forever. We have to return. And what we find is that our normal day-to-day experience is that there's just too much to do. There's too little time. We have good intentions to give our best time uh, to the right things and to be present to the things that matter most. But in our hurry, in our busy, and our exhaustion— When we're honest, we find that the things that matter most often get the least. We're too exhausted from work to be present with those at home. We're too busy with our kids' activities and their 30 sports to have quality times with our spouse. We're too overwhelmed with our overstuffed schedules that we don't give God our best. We give Him the scraps only to find that more often than not— We're all out of scraps. But what would it look like if we could take that taste of rest we get on a summer break or on a vacation and somehow adapt our lives in a way so that we can claim it and experience it throughout every day of our lives? See, there is a better way. It's the way of Jesus— And it is how we are called to live in faith as we follow him. That's what we're exploring together for these next nine weeks in this series called Summer Break. Our focus passage of the series really hones in on what will go on throughout this entire thing. Matthew 11, come to me, this is Jesus talking, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Are you weary today? Are you feeling burdened today? Are you stressed out, burnt out? Are you just over it all today? There is a better way. It is the way of Jesus. 
But what we find is it takes a lot of work to rest well. So are you ready? You ready? You ready? This is where we're going in this series. I want to give you the roadmap so you can plan on what's coming. Today we're looking at kind of setting up the series and honing in on the problem. Next week we're going to talk about our pace, primarily looking at the pace of Jesus and what is the pace of love. The third week, we're going to talk about our presence and how powerful that is in this world of endless distraction. The, follow- the week after that, simplicity. When we want to say enough in the face of a world that always asks for more. And then the power and the discomfort <laughs> of silence. We'll spend two weeks on the Sabbath because we really just don't get that. And I'm really excited to look at that together with you. And then the final two weeks, we'll look at, uh, on week eight, the yoke of Jesus, taking this guiding passage and really going deep with it. And the final week, since we're talking a lot about spiritual disciplines, we'll talk about how discipline is not a negative thing. In fact, it is one of our greatest delights to live in this way. And so that's how we'll bring it home on the ninth week. There have been a lot of resources that have helped shape this series, and I want to show them to you. I have them up here, so come look at these if you want to go deeper, okay? But we're not preaching through these series. We're preaching through the Bible. We're letting these point us and guide us to Jesus' way and what Scripture says. If you want to go deeper joining our summer book club, this is the one to go for. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by Pastor John Mark Comer. It is a profoundly uh, rich book, and it really helps inform this series as we go to God's Word to see how we are called to live this way of Jesus together. So today is about the problem. And though we're focused on the problem, I promise there is good news in here for all of us. So let's jump in. I want you to hear that passage, that invitation from Jesus again, from Matthew 11. Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, our friend, our Savior says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now Jesus gives this invitation knowing the very state of our lives and the very state of our hearts and the very state of our schedules. And he gave this instructions to folks in the ancient Middle East. Now they were weary and burdened from hard labor and difficult living conditions. They didn't have modern technology. They didn't have things that we consider, you know, like the very bare essentials, the bare necessities, like, like running water and easy access to clothes and, and grocery stores and high-speed Wi-Fi and programmable coffee machines and a KitchenAid stand mixer. Bare necessities, right? Oh, man, this heat is getting to us. I think they're bare necessities. I'm kidding. No, no, they didn't have all these technological advancements, but you would think thousands of years later with crazy technological advancements that we would be significantly less weary and burdened than Jesus' original audience, wouldn't you say? But is that the case? No, it's not at all. It's not at all. In fact, in some ways, we're even more stressed, weary, and burdened than our ancient relatives in the faith. How can that be? 
But get this, before Edison invented the light bulb, the average person slept 11 hours a night. 11. 11 hours at night. What could you do if you got one night of 11 hours of sleep? I think you could change the world, quite frankly. I mean, it would get dark, they go to sleep, the sun comes up, they wake up. Now we are very lucky if we get seven, right? And if it's uninterrupted sleep, that's the, that's the cherry on top. We fill our day so full to the brim, we plop down exhausted at the end of the day. I mean, think about it. If you put in too many hours at work, you're more likely to get promoted than to get punished. And we teach and model for our kids and students that it's better to be overcommitted than to learn to live with margin in our lives. And we buy coffee mugs and wall signs half off at Hobby Lobby that say things like rise and grind. <laughs> and we give titles to cities like New York as a city that never sleeps as if that's a positive thing. We pride ourselves for being awesome at multitasking, which basically means we're really great at doing many things poorly at the same time. Hurry, busyness, exhaustion, distraction, this hits all of us in one way or another. We are all guilty, and often not willfully guilty. It's the way of the world. They're all facets of the same problem, and yet, for most of us, it's our daily experience. It is the way of the world, but what we see in Scripture is that the way of Jesus is in complete contrast to the way of the world. We are more busy while also being more isolated than ever. We are more informed and yet less present than ever. Because it's the way of the world to do more, to be more, to accomplish more, to consume more, to have more. But the reality is we're not of this world. We're children of the one true God who calls us to a better way. Jesus was aware of this. We see it all throughout his teaching. We see it here in John 15 when he talks about the challenge it is to follow them. He says to his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. And then he goes on to say, if you belong to the world, oh, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. See, we're not called to operate the way the rest of the world does. To love the things the world does. To believe the things the world does. See, elsewhere, Jesus says in Matthew 16, what would it benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? We could gain the whole world by doing more, by being more, by accomplishing more, by having more, the world would view us as successful. They would celebrate us and our achievements and our accolades, but at what cost? That's not who God created us to be. He calls us to a better way, to not subscribe to the world's way of things, but to yoke ourselves to him 
and follow in Jesus's way. But this is the tension we live in. We live in the tension of the world and the way of Jesus, and how, how do we live in this space? Pastor John Tyson, I thought, put it quite well in his book, Beautiful Resistance. He says this, Jesus was clear. We're all yoked to something. We're yoked to the pace of our culture, or we're yoked to him. We're learning his way of humility and ease, or we're learning the way of labor and burden. We're seeking first the kingdom of God, or seeking first the kingdom of self. Jesus talked about that in Matthew 6. He also said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot have two yokes, not without being torn apart. Do you feel that tension? Like me, do you feel like you're trying to, you're kind of being like torn apart a little bit as you're trying to find your way through this life? You're trying to follow Jesus in his way, but you're also trying to do what everything tells us is how we're supposed to live in the world. And you feel that tension and you feel that tearing, right? The reality is none of us would say we desire to be yoked than something other than Jesus. But how we live often proves our desire and our words false. We are in such a hurry all the time. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, our pace and this hurry thing. We're busy all the time. Our schedules are nuts. I hear the joke about retirement, that you're supposed to rest in retirement, but you enter retirement and you're working more and being paid nothing, right? <laughs> Is that about it, retired folk? Yeah. I think about our babies even have work to do there's this thing called tummy time, and it's important work, but they have to lay on their tummies, and they're exercising these muscles, and they're working. They're screaming their way through it, but they're working. We start working when we were born. We know we were created for work in the garden, but things have gotten perverted and twisted, and there's got to be a better way. Most of us want a healthier pace and rhythm. I would say, I dare say all of us do, but we find it hard to slow down and find our bearing in Jesus Christ. Dallas Willard, a, a philosopher, theologian, put it this way, hurry's the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. The first time I read that, I said, no way, because we know our enemy Satan. And he is our great enemy, and he will do all he can to make us sin. But consider this perspective, as Corey Ten Boom, Boom put it, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Have you heard that one? Sin and being over busy, busy with the wrong things. Side note, Jesus was very busy, but it was purposeful and with the right things. Being over busy, sin and being over busy have the exact same effect. They cut you off from your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. What ongoing effect is our busyness having on our soul? I want to read this quote for you. It's going to be up here on the screen. This comes from a study that happened some years ago where, where several thousand Christians were polled in this survey, and it was seeking what are the barriers to spiritual growth. And this is the, the hypothesis that came out from those findings. It may be the case that, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, 
hurry, and overload, which leads to, two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to, five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. Oh, and it doesn't end there, because and then the cycle begins again. Do you find that fascinating? If you're honest, do you find that to be true? We were not created to live this way. We cannot have two yokes. The way of Jesus calls us, indeed it compels us, to live shockingly different from the rest of the world. The solution is not more time. We all have the same hours in the day. The solution is not more time. It is to slow down and better use the time we have to get rid of the hurry that's in our lives and the wrong kind of busy to embrace the pace of love, the presence of Jesus, the joy of simplicity, the power of silence, the longing for and practice of the Sabbath. And it's to take up the yoke of Jesus and delight in following his way. See, Jesus Christ was incredibly serious about us abiding and resting in his presence, of remaining in close proximity to him in both our work as well as our rest. You might know this famous teaching from John 15 when he instructs us this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, what's the promise? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. But yoked to Jesus, not to the world, not to money, not to accolades, any of that stuff, but yoked to Jesus, following faithfully in his way, remaining in his presence, remaining in his word, we will bear much fruit. We will live fruitful lives. You know, in our hurry, in our busy, all that, we're trying to be productive. We're trying to do things like that. And then when we talk about rest, we're also not talking about laziness. Absolutely not. It's giving our time to be highly productive according to Jesus' metrics. The fruit that faith produces is more meaningful and substantial than any other, for it is the fruit that doesn't rust or fade. But you can't hurry your way to fruit production. (laughs) Think for a second about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I miss one? I usually miss one. If I did, get me later. You cannot rush your way through any of those. You can't rush your way through love. You can't rush your way through patience. That's called being impatient, right? You cannot hurry your way to fruit production, and you can't produce it apart from Jesus. 
we yoke ourselves to Jesus. And as we yoke ourselves to Jesus, as we remain in him, we remember who he is, and we remember who we are, and we remember how we are called to live. We remember that we're not defined by what we do. We are not defined by what we have. We're not defined by what others say. We're not defined by what the world longs us to be. We are defined by the Savior of the world who calls us his beloved child. And we also remember that we are finite beings. We have capacity, limited capacity. We are limited beings that are loved and cared for and called and sent by a limitless God. And we remember that God is all-sufficient. He is enough for us. He is our life. In him we find our being, and in him we find our way. For in him we find our very life. And in him alone, him alone, we find the rest our soul craves. So as we prepare to come to this table, to be reminded of the goodness and the presence of Jesus, for the true rest that can only be found in him, I want to leave us with a practice to engage in this week. For a way to begin to experience and identify what's going on in our own souls. So the first is this. Pay attention to your speed. I'm not talking about driving necessarily yet. That's in the next one, actually. But pay attention to your speed. Take an inventory in your own life, free from judgment, free from guilt, free from shame, just an open-handed willingness to learn and accept reality. How full is my schedule? How busy am I? Am I always running late to things? Am I impatient with the people God places right in front of me? When I rest at the end of a long day, is it fruitful rest of meaningful rest, or is it just distracted, meaningless rest as we scroll endlessly? That kind of stuff. Just do an inventory and paying attention to your own speed. Then the next is this, to practice slowing. This one sounds so cheesy, but I tried this. It's incredible how challenging this will be. Not necessarily this first one for all of you, and that wasn't really mine because I drive very conservatively. But seriously, try driving the speed limit this week. Maybe if you do or you go under, that's cool. Don't, like, speed up. That's not the idea. (laughs) Try driving the speed limit, not just for, like, a minute, for your entire destination. Try it for an entire day. Try it for the whole week. Don't go a tick over that speed limit. You will find yourself growing in Christ. I promise you, because you will be sitting there like, oh God, uh, help me, because only on your strength can I do this. Another way to practice slowing, say no to three things. Just any of the appropriate things to say no to, right? But just practice saying no. Practice your muscle of saying, enough. I'm good. Maybe a practice to slow is to put that phone away after dinner time. Lock it away. Try it for one night. And you will see how restless you truly are. I promise you. The idea here for this first week is to just begin. 
Don't make a long-term plan right now. Just begin. Just start a beginning and experiment and try as you try to identify the busyness and the fullness and the rushed nature that is within you. We'll have more intentional and deeper homework as we go along through this, but just begin this week, however you feel called to. John Ortberg reminds us that he says, I can't live in the kingdom of God with a hurried soul. I think that's a prudent and appropriate reminder for all of us. So let's remember there is a better way. It's the way of Jesus. And may we together find our rest, indeed our way, even our life, in him. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.